Tyron Sports True Oldies Channel. Here we go. Monday night, just past 7 o'clock. I'm Mike Balsamo. Another huge show, as always, ready to go. Ira is not in studio, unfortunately. He's in New York, but this uh, may work out well for you, Ira, because you may be able to get to see one of the hottest teams in the NBA. The Charlotte Hornets? No, the New York Knicks. Oh, the Knicks. The Knicks. <laughs> the Knicks. I... I, 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 that's who they're playing. I, I forgot. I, I was at the, I was watching that Heat game. Any Heat fan knows the other night when Randall hits that three. I, I mean, have you ever seen a play like that? Randall, if anyone doesn't, is not a big Heat fan, that he were winning the game by two and Randall gets the ball. He kicks it like three times, rolls it on the ground. You're like, he's never going to get a shot off. And out of nowhere, he takes this crazy shot falling sideways, and it goes in, and the Heat lose. Pretty amazing way to lose a game. Yeah, and the stadium looked like it was mostly Knicks fans, too. It was kind of a home game for them. But um, they've been on quite the tear lately. We'll talk more NBA in a little bit. We're also going to talk some college basketball. And, Ira, the reason for that is we've had a lot of you know national guests on the past couple of weeks, basically this entire year. We're bringing in a local guy this week, and there's a really good reason for that. We're getting in Dusty May of FAU and to talk about the miraculous season that the Owls are having. I mean, he's been there for five years, and, and, and he's like 500 for like the first four years, and now he's 28-3. and three. Uh, They had a big win at Florida this year, which was great for the program, but they just roll right through Conference USA. He's the number one seed for the Conference USA tournament, looking at like a 9, 10, 11 seed. They're still in, they're still in the tournament if they lose. They don't, I don't think, have to win this tournament to, to make the NCAAs, but it's, a, it's an exciting team because if you're looking for dark horses in the NCAA, this is a team that has had players together for two, three years. So they have experience playing. Um, it's something that, you know, against like these freshman teams like Duke, which is like all freshmen, they're going to have a huge advantage. So I'm excited to see how FAU does in this conference USA tournament, most importantly in the NCAA tournament. Can they get a run to the Sweet 16? Yeah, so we'll talk to Dusty May uh, right about 7.50. And Ira, I think you're right in saying that. I think that we in South Florida, the sports fans here, they know about FAU. We've been hearing about this. But people across the country probably aren't looking at this like a real team, whereas I could you know, easily have them going to the Sweet 16 in my bracket. A lot of people might be fading them in the first game. Right, and we're going to talk about that basketball, but this this year, you just have to just watch the games. Everyone's getting upset. There's the number one seed, the number one predicted team in Vegas, everywhere else to win the tournament this year is probably, I think they should get in, North Carolina, who was in the championship game last year, but with most of all their players came back this year, and they might not even make the tournament, which just shows you how crazy the season is, and there's no dominant team, and uh, it's just it's one of the weirdest years I can imagine. So I, I, if someone says, oh, I'm going to go chalk on my bracket, I think you're crazy. There's no way this bracket's going to be chalked. I mean, you're going to see 12 seeds and 13 seeds and 11 seeds and 9 seeds. The parity in basketball is here, um, and you're going to have those mixtures of those Fresh, all freshman teams, the freshman teams with these teams that are 24 and 25 year old players. It's going to be crazy, but I, it's, it's not going to be a chalk. There's going to be upsets, and I wouldn't even consider these upsets. Like you're going to see it, like say a, a, a 11, a five, you know, something like that, and they're saying, "Oh, that's an upset." I'm like, "No, not really an upset. That's what's probably going to happen." So, no, no, I'm with you, and I was actually looking to make futures bets yesterday, and there's a lot of teams that could definitely win it that are like 16 to, you know, plus 1,600, 16 to 1, plus 2,000. And it's, it's usually not like that. There's three or four at the top that have no odds, and everyone else has no chance. You can really make some money uh, betting college basketball, betting the tournament, and you can learn more about that right here on Ira on Sports. And Ira, where have you been? Pretty uh, pretty busy week for you. Five my five spring training baseball games at both Roger Dean and Ballpark of Palm Beaches in a row, Wednesday through Sunday. And I actually on Saturday did a double dip because I saw the Hawks versus the Heat down in Miami. So I saw people were like so surprised. Like, I mean, I go to so many sporting events, but I wasn't that surprised that I go to a you know, spring training game is over at 3.30 and the Heat game is there to 8. And they're only it's an hour and a half apart. So it's an easy thing to do. But I love that. But it was fun. I got a chance to see the rules. Got to say, a chance to see the different. I saw five, four, four, five different teams, so it's pretty cool. I love that. I love the fact that I got to go before all the players leave the World Baseball Classic. I got to see all the teams play, so it was pretty nice. Yeah, and we'll talk about the, the rule changes. Talk about what you saw, you know, locally here with you know the, the fantastic uh, array of teams that we can see here in Palm Beach County. That's coming up. Don't forget, Ira's all over social media. You can follow him online anywhere at Ira on Sports. So 
the first domino fell, Ira, in the uh, quarterback carousel, and it was uh, determined earlier today, Derek Carr getting ready to be the next quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show, where people fit, and I thought one of these NFC South teams was the perfect destination for Derek Carr. He's the best quarterback in the division already. Oh, you hit the nail on the head on this. Tampa's either going to have Blaine Gabbard or Kyle Trask, the Falcons, Desmond Ritter, Carolina, Sam Darnold, whatever, who they might have, and Carr to go to New Orleans. And then remember, New Orleans has had a very good defense. They do have, if Michael Thomas comes back at wide receiver, three years ago, he was the top wide receiver. Now he's had injuries. They have Kamara. They do have, and uh, Dennis Allen is their coach. The, the connection was that he was the coach at the Oakland Raiders when they drafted Carr, but then he got fired but the point is that he's had this relationship uh, with Carr over the years. I love this move. I, I think this is tremendous. I think that New Orleans, I was, you know, anyone who's gone to a Saints game, the passion the fans have for this team. I mean, it's the team in the town. There's no, um, there's no hockey team. There's no baseball team. There is a basketball team. But this is a Saints team. The fans love it. I think they're going to race Carr. You know, you saw how they love Drew Brees at their quarterback. I think he fits in perfectly. Um, I just think it's great. I think it's a great move for him, and he has a great. He has much, he's already has a much better defense than he had at the Raiders. So I think this is going to be. I think it's a great move. Great move for him. Derek Carr has more comeback wins than any quarterback in the league since he came in. This is going to be a team now that actually has some structure, Ira. I mean, besides the Browns, who's been a more you know dysfunctional franchise over the last decade or 15 years? It's the Raiders. They have, they have constant issues. Now he's going to one of the better run uh, organizations in the league. I think he might, you know, this could be an 11-12 win team with Derek Carr, especially facing the teams you just mentioned six times. Derek Carr had a bad year last year with 24 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. I mean, that's a, that's a bad year. He's had a mess all the time he's been there. He's only 31 years old. He's not 38. He's not Aaron Rodgers. I, you know, I have friends who are Jets fans that said, we'd rather have Derek Carr. We know he's going to be there for seven, eight years. Aaron Rodgers might here be here for one year or two years. So I think, you know, it's interesting with the Jets. Where the, was the Jets' flirtation with Aaron Rodgers so much? And then we, we know that Derek Carr met with the Jets twice. But did he just say, you know what, you don't want me, I, the Saints want me, I'm going to go do this. So it was, I think that was, it's a great move for Carr. I think it's a great move for the Saints. And uh, as someone, like, I, I just think it's, I think all around with Brady out of that division, you know, with those teams that we mentioned, the Tampa, the Atlanta, and Carolina, it definitely makes the Saints the number one favorite team in that division. Yeah, and, and the Jets are usually dysfunctional too, so I can't blame him for wanting to stay away from a situation like that. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers, and all reports, every day there's a new report that Green Bay is done with him. And there's increasing reports that it looks like the Jets are the front runner here. He's out of the dark room now, finally, Ira. We don't know what he's doing, who he's been talking to. But I'm starting to think more and more that that is going to be the landing place for Aaron Rodgers. I'll tell you what. I listened to an hour interview. It, Aaron Rodgers went to this room in, I don't know, Montana. I forget where it's located. But he goes, it's like underground, and it's for four days where he doesn't have light. And they bring him, they drop him off food. And you pay for the right to do that. Like, he's paying for the right. It's not like punishment. He pays so he can be in this dark room. And he's there in this dark room. And it's crazy. And then, but not when he came out. He did a podcast interview with another person who has, like, done the dark room. So they kept talking about, like, he was afraid he was going to bump in the walls and this and that. I just, I cannot get over Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know, you know. It's, I think, he, I, I agree. I think Green Bay is fine. I think Green Bay thought last year we redid your deal. We're paying you $50 million. You, They thought they had two years of Aaron Rodgers, and now he's pulling this, I don't know if I want to play. I don't know if I play with Green Bay. And then he also said, remember how he said, Aaron Rodgers said, I want to have a say in the team. I want to work with the GM. I want to meet with the GM. He's been in the dark room. He's been away. Gutekens, the general manager, just said at the combine, I've had exchanged a couple texts with him. So he hasn't engaged. He hasn't stayed in Green Bay. He hasn't gone and sat in the office. So everything, they gave him everything he wanted and after that he's like nah you know what I, i'm not going to be involved in it and not to mention you know last off season he, he, he makes all these statements gets the big contract last off season loses Devonte adams the receiver he's had the best connection with probably ever probably more than jordy nelson green gets two rookies in and then doesn't do any off-season workouts like he, he's obviously not committed to the team why would you as a fan or a front office person be committed to him 
Right. I mean, you see, you know, the whole the Tom Brady analogy is there out there. When Tom Brady was signed by Tampa, he's, you know, during COVID protocols, they're in a park down the street, you know, running patterns where he got in trouble with the city because he's, he's doing drills in the park during the COVID lockout where Aaron Rodgers couldn't even come in for the voluntary workouts. He's not saying, you know, if you're Aaron Rodgers, why don't you just, when you go to the dark room, when you come out, why don't you invite your wide receivers out, you know, <laughs> where you're at? I mean, again, that's, you see so many of these players and these star quarterbacks, they just invite their wide receivers. Hey, I'm going to get you on. I'm going to fly private, fly, you know, we're going to come here, we're going to put you in a five-star hotel and just catch passes for three days. Something like that would have been amazing. You know, I heard an interview with, I think it was Romeo Dobbs, who made a comment, they go, what's your relationship with, uh, with, with Rogers? He goes, well, not much. You know, I see him at the practice. They're like, wait, he's never, you ever been to his house? No. Like, he's never had you over for pizza? You know, just stuff like that. You're like, just do something with these players. It's really weird. And, you know, again, I think, I think that they, it's a combination of maybe the Green Bay is just fed up with Rodgers. And also maybe they feel that they want to see what they have with Jordan Love. We haven't seen so much of it, but maybe they feel like, look, we got, we have a chance. Maybe he, I know he's made strides over this past year. So maybe they think that Jordan Love has finally come on and, and that he's ready to take the, be the starting quarterback. This is Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel, and Mike Balsamo. Ira's all over social media. You can follow him too at Ira on Sports. Lamar Jackson, Ira. And this is another one. I like I, I keep scratching my head with this situation because you hear rumors that okay the Jets are interested, maybe the Dolphins are interested. I think he's going to remain in Baltimore. What do we think happens with Lamar Jackson? Well, the question is that tomorrow is the is they have to put a franchise tag on it, which means that they'll pay him the average of the position, which is anywhere between thirty five and forty five million dollars for one year. Teams are allowed to designate one player as their franchise player. So that's the thought that he would be designated. They cannot work a contract. He's looking for a Deshaun Watson, five years, uh, hundred, you know, $250 million guaranteed. That's some crazy number like that. And they don't want to guarantee the contract for a player that's been injured. It's the last two years hasn't even finished the year out. So there's, there's questions. And I just, you know, it's another one. I, I don't know. I, I keep saying I think Atlanta's going to make a move at this. I, I think I, I, I'm, if there's ever, if there's something about this, I think that maybe Baltimore, they keep, there's been some hesitancy in their terminology. Like we'd love to have him here, but you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. So that statement, I, I, if I had to put money on something, I think Lamar Jackson plays for Atlanta next year. Interesting. I haven't heard that, that one uh, thrown around that much, but Hey, I mean, he'd fit, he'd be an immediate upgrade over what they have in that building. Daniel Jones, you brought up the, the franchise tag, and this is a situation where it was said, you know, maybe two weeks ago that he wants $45 million a year. And that's just, the Giants can't basically blew that out of the water, Iris. That's not happening. They want to pay him like $25, $30 million a year. But they have until, as you said, tomorrow to franchise him. I do think that's what's going to happen. But then for me, that's basically saying Saquon Barkley's out the door. Right. You're only going to franchise one player. And if they franchise – the smart move is – Daniel Jones, to me, does not deserve a long-term deal. If you're going to sign a long-term deal, then they get all. He, he wasn't even that great last year. I, I, don't, I think it would be a mistake to give tremendous amounts of money to him. I mean, to, to lock him up for long-term when I, I don't I, – I would not franchise. I think he would – if you – if they franchise – if they – end up signing Daniel Jones for a long-term deal, I think that when he ends up just being a below-average quarterback, then you're totally hamstringing your organization for the next two or three years because it's so, so much money. Yeah, and, and he made a lot of strides last year, and there's not that much around him. I think there, it's like encouraging what he did with so little. But yeah, you can't be – this team's already in salary cap hell. You can't get right back in it with a guy who's just a, a median quarterback. What's going on in San Francisco? Because they're maybe the best roster in football. And especially with the Eagles about to lose some guys to, to free agency, they're probably the best roster in football, and we don't know who their quarterback is. That's kind of a mess. Well, I think they want it to be Trey Lance or, or Brock Purdy, but I think that one of the, that's what they're. But now you're hearing rumor they want to bring a veteran in, and Baker Mayfield. But <laughs> Baker Mayfield just won't die. I mean, he's going to find somewhere, and it's almost like remember he was a walk on at Texas Tech, he was a walk on at Oklahoma, and then won the Heisman Trophy. You have a sense that this is another walk on situation where he comes in, not he's going to be third string, and who knows, he might lead San Francisco to the <laughs> to the Super Bowl. But uh, it, it, it's some of these quarterbacks like like Baker. I think that's where they do not want to be in a situation they were last year, where they had Josh Johnson in the NFC Championship game, and then they, he gets hurt, and they have uh, Christian McCaffrey handling the ball off or being 
the quarterback. So they definitely want to, uh, but I don't know for me, I don't know if Baker is like the right veteran. He seems like someone who's wanted to want to be a starter, but who knows? I mean, it, they got to have people that are ready to play in that game and, and Baker has experience. So if Baker Bayfield was on the team last year, I think that they might've been playing in the Super Bowl. It would be filled out because they, they couldn't be filled up with Josh Johnson at the quarterback. Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Dusty May, Florida Atlantic University head coach, joins us right around 7.50. Let's shift to, you know, the Combine's underway. I don't watch much Combine. I don't put that much stock into it. I do put stock into things like, you know, how big are the quarterbacks. And we'll talk about that in a second. But, Ira, one thing you have to do before these drafts is just not do something dumb. Don't do anything to hurt your draft stock. Just go hide in a dark room like Aaron Rodgers. It, it can only help you. What was it, I guess, six years ago, Laramie Tunsil, projected to be the number one overall pick in the draft, gets caught smoking marijuana out of a gas mask or something like that and drops to number 13 to actually the Dolphins here. Turns out to be a good player, but that cost him millions of dollars by not going you know, one or two and falling out of the top 10. And this is, might be what we just saw with Jalen Carter. Well, Jalen Carter is the star defensive lineman for Georgia. Everyone talked about him being, if their quarterback's not taken number one, he would be taken number one. You saw he's the two-time defending Georgia champions. But this story, so after, after they won the national championship game, and then it was the middle of January, unfortunately, Chandler McCloy, who worked for the team, and lineman Devin Wilcock, who was offensive lineman, who would have gone into the NFL – they were killed in a, they called it a one car accident and Warren McClendon and another staffer who was in the car, they survived it. And McClendon's actually going to be drafted. So it was a terrible tragedy. They had the celebration for the team, like this big, great celebration that Georgia won. And that was later that night. And you heard nothing. It said one car accident. And then Georgia made a statement. They, they, they made a statement saying that, that the car was driven by Chandler was, uh, they, they didn't release any toxicology reports. They, it almost was like there was, there's no drinking or driving, nothing like like that. And then they said that the car was not, she wasn't allowed to be driving the car late at night, which is weird. And then Wilcox had a lawsuit against the university. He withdrew his entire lawsuit. And for like two months now, you haven't heard anything about this case. And now it came out that Jalen Carter, not only was it not a, was it, it was not a one car accident. It was a two car accident that Jalen Carter and that car driven by Chandler McCoy was, was racing going a hundred miles an hour. Chandler McCoy was found to have a double, you know, point to 1.9 blood alcohol level. And I mean, it's horrendous, tragic. Her death is, is horrendous, but Jalen Carter was involved. Now at the scene, after it happened, he was seen there. Then he left for two hours. And then he comes back and he told the police, I was in my apartment building, I heard, then he said, well, I was following them. But it ends up, you know, he was involved and they have on camera now of like the cars racing and I was down in Athens. I mean, those roads that they were driving on, you know, this is not like this super highway. Like it was, it was, they're, they're, they're twisty and everything, a hundred miles an hour and Chandler, you know, had she had a, you know had a double the blood alcohol level uh, to be involved in this and, and whatever videos are shown how you know be drag racing with that it, it's you know and he's charged with a misdemeanor which is drag racing but there could be it could be upgraded if it found that like the cars did hit each other or something like that um, clearly red flags all over the place you know what is he doing driving this car at 100 miles an hour uh, in the middle of the night uh, race drag racing someone that led to a fatal accident and it's it. it definitely raised question. And the other question is he left the scene after the accident and his teammate is there in the car dying and he didn't stay to help, you know, to, to help and see what he could do. So there's all those aspects about it. And I think it does throw up to some teams, a ton of red flags, you know, and say, am I going to draft this player? You know, in my first round to be the face of our franchise. No, it, it's a, just a really weird situation. And without a doubt, it's going to hurt his draft stock. How much? Probably not that much. Skill is always going to trump all off-field stuff, unfortunately. That's just how it works. The Dallas Cowboys love guys like this, so maybe that'll be uh, you know, <laughs> fall into place for them. So I had mentioned, as far as the combine goes, I don't care what wide receiver speed is, what John Ross set the record, hasn't done anything in the NFL. But I do look at what happens with the quarterbacks. And Anthony Richardson's flying up the board here, Ira. I think concerns are starting to grow for Bryce Young. Like you know, Pictures are coming out of him next to offensive linemen, and he's not up to their shoulder. So what's your takeaway so far on these quarterbacks? Uh, Anthony Richardson, I'm still not buying, but he's he's going to be a top 10 pick if, if things continue. It seems like all those for the four quarterbacks, Stroud, Young, Richardson, and Levis will all be top 10 picks. I think people feel that Richardson is too athletic, that maybe they he wasn't trained right. I mean, Richardson and Levis are these athletic 
freaks that throw the ball super fast, that are super big, strong. They're like the prototypical, like these are great gigantic quarterbacks that have everything you'd want in a quarter as a quarterback. But they Levitt, they both had just up and down senior leads. They look, they could even complete passes in some games. Uh, and then Bryce Young, but Bryce Young, I could have told you about Bryce Young's height two years ago. Watch the Heisman Trophy. He was standing next to C.J. Stroud at the Heisman Trophy presentation. That's the first time I saw that. And it looked like Stroud was a foot taller than him. So they were standing next to each other right on the same thing. And, and that's where I said, you know, so I guess that's not, that the issue with Bryce Young is clearly, and I think to I, I, no one talks about it as much, but I think the Tua thing aspect of it, the fact that Tua is smaller, has had the injuries. There's questions with Bryce Young being 5'10", 180, something like that. Whether he, that's going to be, it's going to be one of the smallest draft uh, quarterbacks. Quarterback. He has all the skills in the world, but it's hard with the NFL with the offensive linemen so tall. You have to move around in the pocket. Drew Brees was short, but also if you, anyone saw Drew Brees, I mean, he was built. He was right. I mean, he was a, he was a big body, big strong guy. Uh, Bryce Young does not look strong. Like I mean, it's just, I think that I think to, the two effect is going to hurt Bryce Young. I don't know if he's going to be the first pick. I I think Stroud will be. I think to the end of the day, I think CJ Stroud of Ohio State will be the first quarterback taken. I would take CJ Stroud <laughs> after seeing what he did, and yeah, the, the durability aspects. I, I didn't realize that T. Rich Anthony Richardson is six four, and he ran a four four. I mean, that's just. That's like that's almost Cam Newton style, but just even faster and more agile. And I, I know that's why he's flying up. If you watched him last year, he was fantastic in two games and terrible in eight. So I, I, I kind of don't get it. Did you see the thing about Will Levis that he's got some kind of crazy um, fear of milk, Ira? Like milk is, is what scares him. He puts mayo in his coffee, apparently. This is all stuff that he's releasing. Like, I'm not drafting a quarterback just based off that. Like, you've got enough mental health issues. I don't know if I can take my chances. But I, I, I tell you, Hayden Hooker, Tennessee, I'm going to say it. Every time we talk about quarterbacks, he's when the, it's five years from now, Hayden Hooker's going to be the best quarterback in this draft. I have no doubt in my mind. I've never seen an arm like his. It's the greatest arm I've ever seen of any quarterback. And he's athletic and he's accurate. And if you watch his games this year before he got hurt, he's, he's superior. Uh, he, to me, I, I would take Hendon Hooker number one. I'm surprised. And I'm, I'm telling you what, when it comes down to this, the only reason he's not right now in the top, I think, is the ACL. I think if he could go, he tours ACL, if he was could go to the combine and do things, I think he'd be drafted high. And I'm with you on the Hendon Hooker thing. Another thing is how good of a game manager he is. Watching him under, he's always so poised. He's a student of the game. You can have all the the raw attributes, but if you can't put it together and be a composed quarterback in the pocket, you're not going to be successful. He looked fantastic. Yeah, if, if I'm picking at the beginning of the second round, I'm taking uh, you know the best player available in the first round and then getting Hendon Hooker if I need a quarterback in the second Ira on Sports, True Oldies channel, at Ira on Sports, all across social media. Let's switch over to the NBA. And, you know, you were at the Miami Heat game last week. How was that game? Uh, so I want to know that first and foremost. But it, it, the Miami Heat here, this is a team that was in the in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals last year. They were a game away from going to the Finals. And this year, they just look like a totally different team. It's crazy. Well, the Nets are in the sixth seed. They made all their trades. They're two and a half games ahead of the Heat, which sit in the seventh seed. Now, the, the, you know, at 34, 31, and you really don't want to be in the seventh seed because if you're in the seventh seed, then you're going to be playing either Boston Milwaukee in the first round. They played Atlanta with the eighth seed, which is right behind them. And you have Toronto and Washington, which aren't that far back. Remember, the play, how they do the play-in this year, is, and they've done last year, is that seven plays eight. If seven wins, then seven is seven, and and then eight, and then eight has to play the winner of nine playing ten. Now, the loser of nine ten is out, and the winner of nine ten has to play seven eight. You know, to see who's going to be the eight seed from that perspective. So there's a way that you know if you lose two, if you, the seven seed, if you lose seven seed loses two games, they're out of the playoffs. So even make the playoffs aren't even the seven seed. So when I say seven seed, they're they're in that play in, and you really don't even want to be in that play in game for the situation is that you end up playing too many games, you're tired, and then you have to go right to the play. So I think that's where the where the where the Heat are standing. Um, it's a weird week. They beat Philadelphia in Philly, one hundred one ninety nine. But then they come back to, to Miami. They play Philadelphia without Embiid and lose by twenty three. Then New York beats them at home, and they were the Heat were like one and six before Saturday night, where they beat Atlanta. Both teams were coming off back to back. You know, he had played New York the day before. Trey Young was. Awful in this game. I mean, most of the game he had like three points, which is terrible. Bam Adebayo played well, thirty points. 
this team, I really need, it's almost like Tyler Hero. If Tyler Hero is shooting well, if he's moving well, if he's playing well, the team wins. But if he's off and he's out of control and all those things, then they're, they're not playing well. And Butler played, played well too. Kyle Lowry has been out for weeks. He's not real. I'm not even counting Kyle Lowry on the team, but the bench, the, they gave Vincent, the Oladipo, the Struces, the bench that was so helpful last year. I mean, I don't think Vincent's made even like makes one shot a game. Oladipo makes like one shot a game. They're not doing well. I mean, Kyle Martin is playing well off the bench, but you know, they've been helped by the Kevin Love and Cody Zeller has given them that size. I think Love has played great. Zeller comes in, gives it that size. But I am, you know, this week is, they have 17 games left. They play Atlanta tonight. Then they're, they, they play Cleveland two games at home back-to-back. And they're out of, the land, out of Orlando. I mean, they could go 4-0 or 0-4. I mean, I don't know what this team is, Jekyll and Hyde. I don't, I, I'm nervous. I, I just, and you know, I think Adonis Haslam, Haslam made a comedy. He's like, this is clearly my last year. The players are not listening to me at all. And I think that, you know, you've got to listen to Donald Haslin. I mean, he's been there for 20 years. He's been part of all these, he, all these championships that the Heat had. Um, for him to say that there must be some little disconnect on this team uh, with that. But, look, the Heat, you know, again, the playoffs mean everything, and, and Spolstra and Riley and everything can get together. But uh, I, this will be it. tonight's game. They better come back. Now, Atlanta, remember, Atlanta, lost, you know, the, the Heat beat Atlanta Saturday night. They've been in Miami now for two nights. As long as they've been partying and everything, they're going to come back and try to win this game, and they lose that. Then Cleveland comes down and Cleveland Cleveland's in the fourth seed, so you know this is a tough week for the Heat. And Orlando is not a pushover right now. They are really playing well for a team that's like you know in you know that is one of the worst teams in the East. But they they've been improving a lot. So this is a difficult week for the Heat. Hottest team in the NBA, winners of nine straight. The New York Knickerbockers, Ira. They're fight. They're just a game back on Cleveland for the four seed. This could be a Knicks team that's hosting a playoff series. And I know it's a little different. You know, there there's no load management on the Knicks. Everyone's playing. They're fighting to get the best regular season record they can. This isn't something they, they do often, whereas other teams just want to get in and then, you know, have their stars healthy. Regardless, Knicks playing really well. I don't know if they're a threat to anyone in the playoffs, but they're going to be there. And the Knicks are funny. They're like the, they're old school NBA. I mean, they pass the ball. They move the ball around. Play they defense. Do and they don't, they, they don't load management. They Randall plays, you know, the Tibber Tibbs, their coach is, is from the old school of playing everybody 40 some minutes. Um, and, they are, they, Randall this year, the last year was a little down year for him, but this year, oh, and how he played against the Heat. He seemed like draining shots from all over the place. You know, they beat Boston last night without Jalen Brunson, their star guard. And without him, with Emmanuel quickly came and scored 38 points in double overtime. What a win. Uh, this, I'm still not sold on them. They have to play. It looks like they're going to be either the fourth or fifth seed. I think the Cavs are better than they are. I know they're going to lose in the first round, but right now they've won nine in a row. They're hot. You know, they said they, they beat Boston and Miami, and they're playing really good. So I, I really like, you know, the Knicks. If you're a Knicks fan, maybe I'll go see them tomorrow night. But they, this is the type, the, the team, the city loves the Knicks. I mean, all my Knicks fans are all, you know, every time they're texting me, all oh, the Knicks are great. The Knicks are great. So they're getting excited about it. But, you know, I, I agree with some people said they have set themselves out to get maybe one more piece. If they got one extra piece, they would, you know, could vault themselves to a first or second seed. But the way they play and take games seriously, hey, maybe they do have that run in the tournament. Maybe they do have this run where they're going to make it to the, to, maybe they could upset. They already just beat Boston in Boston. Doesn't mean they can't beat them four games. Ira, you said your Knicks fans' friends are getting excited. We've had nothing to be excited about for 30 years. So, of course, everyone's getting getting really amped up about how these guys look right now. What's the rest of the East look like? Well, it's really Boston, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia. And uh, Boston, they both, all teams, Boston, Milwaukee have been dealing with these injuries. Um, I just, the key for Milwaukee, Milwaukee had won 15 games in a row. Then they were leading Philadelphia by 20. And the first time in like a hundred some games, they blew a 20 point lead going into the fourth quarter or, or a double digit lead in the fourth quarter to Philadelphia and lost that game. But if they don't get Chris Middleton playing well, they're not going to beat Boston. Like they, middle, their entire team revolves besides Giannis, of course, but they need Middleton healthy. And, and Boston has had injuries. They've been having those injuries. So those are the two top teams. And I think the Sixers, as we say, you know, they lose to the Heat at home and they come back without Embiid and they, and, and they beat the Heat by a million points. So I think those three are, are the class of these. But I'm not saying that, you know, we'll see with injuries and how everything's going to happen in terms of what happens going down the stretch. Ira on Sports, Drew Oldie's channel, and Mike Balsamo. Dusty May of FAU Basketball joins us in 20 minutes. So let's go to the West here. Um, I don't know what to make of the John Moran situation. We can talk about that in a second, but I think they went from saying he's going to be, you know, held out two games to now held out indefinitely. 
Well, yeah. Well, Denver Denver is the first seed. So they're six games up on Memphis. They're playing great. Uh, people don't like Jokic. They say he's boring. He's doing his third straight MVP. Uh, Jamal Murray, who was hurt last year, the star guard. Remember in the bubble how he was scoring? It seemed like 50 points a game and then tore his ACL. He looks like, you know, it, these injuries with the ACLs, Clay Thompson too. It's that second year back when they start getting better as the year goes on. And Thompson looks fantastic. Murray looks fantastic. They have players. They have veteran players like Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, who plays for the Nets. Michael Porter Jr. is not really a veteran, but he's playing well. This team, Denver, looks phenomenal. And there's a reason why they're six games up on Memphis, and they're running away with the West. And Joker is the MVP. And he's so much fun to watch. I mean, really, stay up late one night. Watch Denver play. They're great. And the number two seed is Memphis. And Memphis now, John Moran, who people said is the face of the league. Kyrie Irving was dropped by Nike. They're saying now the Joss sneaker is what we're going to make. He is the Powerade, everything about him. But now the stories come out about Moran, and it, it, you can't keep up with him. I'll, I'll run by some of them. He, in July of 2022, he invited a 17-year-old kid from Memphis over to his house for a pickup game on his court, his mansion in, in Memphis. And I guess they were fighting during the game. There was pushing, and he checked the ball. And, and Moran didn't like how he was checked the ball, so he went and hit him 17 times with another one of his friends. And then he went to his house and got a gun. And this was a lawsuit about this, so it was under seal, but then was released by TMC, was able to find information. But my question is this. You are going to guarantee a $250 million contract. You are the, you are the star of player. What are you doing with your hand? You shoot right hand. Like, you are a guard. Like, what are you doing punching anything, let alone a water cooler or someone's head? I don't care who it is. You have other – it's insane that he would do this. And then only a week later, it comes out the story is that his mom was shopping at the Foot Locker and got in a finish line and got in a dispute with somebody there, and it led to the dispute with the mall security. And Morant came down with 12 or nine of his friends friends and they went and had a big fight and there was threats and Morant gave threats and I'm like what is this this is craziness like you Nike would would build a footlocker you know that's commercial with Taco Bell has the stores in their houses I'm sure finish line would like build a store in his house they, they, for for them and and I just that's crazy. Then you have a situation where in a few weeks ago, after gaming against Indianapolis, he was at an SUV and a laser pointer with a gun was supposedly, allegedly said by the Indianapolis staff, saw that pointed after the, after the game. You had the thing with L.A. when there was fighting that went on with those things. And then it, and then now I hear that he's just, you know, definitely taken out. And the reason was is that I didn't know that like two nights ago, he was at a club after they lost to Denver and he put a gun and, and, and had a gun out and was like throwing the gun, putting his head, like joking around with a gun, and then he posted it to Instagram Live. Not someone else taking the picture. He himself took this picture. This is just, in, this is craziness. And, and what I hate the comparison is to Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was in a fight when he was in high school, and it was in a bowling alley, and people said, whatever, this happened. But Allen Iverson, when he was a, you could say he didn't like practicing, but Allen Iverson did not get involved in all this stuff. I mean, we have look at all the players from Steph Curry and LeBron James and Kevin Durant. You might say, disagree with some things they say or do, but they don't get involved in this. Deshaun Moran, this is like a laundry list, and, it, and this is all that we know about. Think about all the stuff we don't know about. I, I just don't – the decisions and the whatever. I mean, he's lucky he's not in jail. He's lucky he didn't break his wrist. He's lucky he's, he's not injured from all this, this craziness. But it's, it's like, you know, he's taking indefinite leave, whether it's suspension or not. But I, it's to me, this is – you know, this is someone who everyone is saying is the face of the NBA. This should better not – if he's continuing with this, he's not going to be the face of the NBA. And in Memphis, which is the number two seed, Brandon Clark, one of the star players, just tore his Achilles. And Steven Adams is out. I mean, you just – I can't believe he's going to make it back this year to play. Like, I, I do with all this going on. Going to the number three seed, I don't think many people can name two people on the Sacramento Kings, but they've been having a fantastic year, Ira. Well, they it's back to it's the, it's the whole idea of having a big guy Sabonis who played for Gonzaga and then he went to Indianapolis and they made the trade for Halliburton and then De'Aaron Fox and you have a guard and you have a big man and it works perfectly and you drafted well and now you're the third seed. Now no one believes they're going to stay third. No, they don't believe it, but they've had a great year and they and and they're the third seed and the fact that. Memphis and Sacramento third seed. That's why I think it's 
It's important that Phoenix, which is two games back of that, who looks fantastic. And I tell you what, I love the pairing of Durant and Booker. And I, I predicted this. I said, when Durant goes on this team, Booker is Devin, Devin Booker was supposed to be, you know, if they would have won against the Celtics and they, that series was amazing, he'd have been the MVP of the final. This is the best pairing since Curry and Durant. It's the best pairing since LeBron and Wade. That's at the level that Booker is. People said, oh, there's pressure on Paul and there's pressure on Durant. No, the pressure's on Booker because Booker like, wants to be the MVP. People have been mentioning two years ago, he's the MVP of the league. So you have now Durant and Booker together. And what's the first couple of games? With the three games, Booker's averaging 36 points, shooting 55%. Durant's averaging 26 points, shooting 70%. Like, this is crazy numbers. And you have DeAndre Asian at center. And you have Chris Paul running the point, and they're, they, they, to me, this is the Suns look great. Now, whether what seeding the Suns get up to, because they're nine and a half back, are they going to pass Sacramento? Are they going to pass Memphis and get to be the number two seed? But right now, I like Phoenix. I, I like Golden State, but I love this. I think Durant has finally got paired with, I think, the pairing of these two. They both play great off the ball. They don't need to have the ball, and they also move well without the ball. So when Booker's driving, then Durant, and then you have a point guard like Paul that can get to them. It's not like when you watch the Mavericks, it's Kyrie has the ball, does his thing. Doncic does his thing. It's like, to your turn, my turn. That's not how the Suns play. Both Booker and Durant move great without the ball. I love this team. I love this pairing. Um, I think they should be the favorite. I think there's pressure on this entire team to win the title. People say, oh, to me, they're the favorite to win the title. You put two MVP favorites, two uh, NBA Finals MVPs, you know, except, you know, Booker almost MVP. I think they're the favorites to win, but we'll see what happens. And what you said is very important. There's not all that many superstars in the league that don't need the ball. Most of them want the ball or, or like a LeBron situation where they have to have the ball. Both of these guys are not like that. They, they, you know, they're out there to win. They're going to take clutch shots, and, and they're going to hit the most of the time. But, yeah, they're, they're not ball dominance. They let the, the rest of the team flow, and the game comes to them, and they succeed from there. Uh, what else do we have to uh, wrap up in the West? Well, go and, go, and Golden State, their 11 halfbacks, Steph Curry just came back from injury. They, this, they lose to the Lakers last night, which is inexplicable, but they have really just coasted this entire year. They, Wiggins has hardly has played. Um, Curry's played. Clay Thompson is playing the best he's played in three years. I still like Golden State. Their record is crazy. They're 27-7 at home, and they're 7-24 and away from home. Like, it is the craziest record in the world. But what I don't want to see happen is I want Phoenix to somehow get the two or three line because I don't want Golden State. I don't want that first series to be uh, Phoenix-Golden State because I think, to me, those are the two favorites with Denver, and they could be they could play each other. Then, they have, then the winner would have to play Denver in the next round, even before the finals. Uh, and then from 6-13, to 13, there's everybody. And Anything can happen. I mean, you have the trade with the, the Clippers. They ended up lost six in a row since the Westbrook trade. And then they finally beat Memphis last night. New Orleans just is waiting for Zion to come back. You have the Lakers. Who knows what's going to happen with them? They're 11, 12. And then Thunder and Blazers and the Jazz. But uh, there's part of me likes Minnesota. I think if Carlton Towns could come back, uh, I haven't heard anything whether, but I mean, they seem to have this talent. I mean, they could be the six seed. It's, it's to me, there's every team is dangerous and I can't wait to watch, you know, this end of this. But remember that playing situation. I mean, you can have a playing situation where the Lakers would play the Clippers in a one game series to see who's going to make the playoffs, which would be crazy. They'll both be playing at crypto.com for a one game fight. You know, one, you know, it's like an NCAA basketball tournament between the Clippers and Lakers who people said, you know, before the year started, these are the two favorites to, to make to the championship. So in a one game series, just even to make the playoffs, um, we'll see what happens. I don't think, I don't, I think the Lakers will not, I'm going to say this. I think Anthony Davis is going to get hurt and I don't think the Lakers are going to make the, even the play in. I think they'll be like the 11th or 12th seed. Ira on sports, Trollde's channel about 10 minutes until we have Dusty May, Florida Atlantic university head coach join us. Ira, people need to check out at Ira on sports across social media because you got a ton of, of good action from spring training. You had a busy week when it comes to that. Oh, crazy. Red Sox at Astros at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Um, Red Sox don't bring anybody. Uh, they had none of their star players that came because they can't travel across the state. But uh, I did get to see Altuve and uh, Jeremy Pena, the, the MVP of the World Series, got to see that. Um, this is the one where Pena was ruled out. They called him out because he, he fouled the ball off and didn't get back in the batter's box in eight seconds. And so he, he was like, you know, so he's fouled out on two strikes. And then Thursday, I went to Roger Dean Stadium, so the 
Astros was the Cardinals. Got to see Goldschmidt and Arenado. Uh, Houston won that game 6-0. But the key of that was to get to see Framber Valdez, you know, they're two starters, you know, Christian and Javier, the two star pitchers for the Astros go back to back. How would you like that? Valdez goes two innings, Javier goes two innings, they strike outside. First, Wainwright. So that was pretty exciting to see that. And then Friday, back to the ballpark of the Palm Beaches, the Braves versus the Astros. Braves really brought nobody to this game from Orlando, but got to see, you know, Altuve and Peña have played almost every one of the Astros games that I've seen. Uh, Bregman I got to see in that game, and, uh, and Houston won that game 11-8. doesn't really matter who wins or loses these games, of course. But And then Saturday, pretty exciting. Mets versus Marlins. Uh, Verlander was pitching for the Mets. I got to go. I'm there watching, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, you can go see their warm-up. And I walked almost like on the field, in the outfield. And so there's no net in front of me. And I watched Verlander warm up for 15 minutes. I got great video, great pictures. It looks like, you know, it looks like Verlander had to tell me to back up. That's how close I am when he's throwing that. And I got to see Alonzo and Lindor. And I'll tell you what, if the Mets could take this weekend and this is their year, they're going to win. <laughs> they're going to go 162-0 because they killed the Marlins 15-4. Lozardo, the Marlins' second-best pitcher, was just totally rocked out of the game. The Mets had five home runs. They're, they get hits from everybody. It's a double A, single A, triple A. Anybody players was hitting with them. And then on Sunday, I went back to Roger Dean and Mets played the Cardinals. Mets won that game 7-1. to one, And Lindor and Alfonso, Alfonso all both hit home runs. And just, I mean, what was it, 22-5 to five in those two games for the Mets. So you got to be excited if you're a Mets fan. But I just love, you know, I love spring training baseball. And I love going to that. And uh, so it's good. I had a good five, five straight days in a row of baseball. So I think both of us, when they announced all the changes that were going to happen this year, both of us were kind of turned off by them. You're starting to come around, though, you said, to all these uh, you know drastic changes MLB's introduced. Uh, I'm so sorry, Mike. I'm going off. Of, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm differing from you on this. I, I thought I wouldn't like the pitch clock, and, I, and the clock is right there. And I just did not feel like it affected. They feel like the pitcher should just pitch like normal. Like, I didn't feel like they were rushing at all. I just actually liked I thought it was okay. Now, where I think where Scherzer made a comment, it's a benefit to the to the pitchers. The batters seem to they're the ones who want to adjust the glove. They hit the foul ball. They walk around. They step out. All that other stuff that really messes them up. I saw Payne get called out on that third strike when there, and I think that is a difference. And the no pickoff attempts. I was waiting for the stolen bases. Not until the next games did I start to see the stolen bases because you you're only allowed to throw over to the first base, and also the bases being so big that you have a chance. So I really didn't see that so much, but um, I'm not, I don't know if I hate the, the, the speed of the game. Now the shift normally in spring training, like I think you should be able to shift. Uh, but spring training, they don't usually shift in the spring training. Uh, but uh, we saw in some of the games the left fielder that's coming over. I noticed the second baseman does play further back, and the shortstop does play like behind the second base, like the, the rules is, uh, for that. But I don't know. I, I did not feel the games were rushed. And uh, maybe I'm so used to it because I watch tennis. I see serving clock. I watch, um, uh, I wa- you know, I watch you know, basketball and football. I noticed, though, you know, the catcher has a role in this. The clock does not start until the pitcher gets the ball. So when the Catcher gets the ball. If he just takes his time, you know, he can t- he can save some seconds off that by holding the ball a little longer because they don't make him like throw. You know, if the pitcher needs to work slowly, uh, you're going to see the catcher take his time throwing the ball back to the pitcher. And then another thing we disagree on: the World Baseball Classic getting started. And you're not a fan. I love it. I, I love you know growing the game internationally. This is something I like to see. I, I now I'm nervous because we talk about low management and everything. First of all, it's going to kill spring training for two weeks. None of these teams, you have Cardinals, I think have like 13 or 14 players playing all the different teams to play. And now you're going to put these players that everybody wants to baby the players. Like you can't have pitch counts to this. There's the starters only pitching two, three innings anyway. Now you're putting them in this pressure pack situation where they're going to have injuries. I just don't, I think this takes away. They're paying these players 40 to $50 million. This is in the middle of the, getting ready for the season. I, I don't think these pitchers are ready to pitch. I'm not so nervous with the hitters. I think the pitchers, you're adding them, you're putting too much pressure on the pitching. Um, I don't like it. I think you're going to see injuries. And also, I, then don't rest during the year. I think they're so good. You have these players that are on like these counts that they can only throw 150 pitches, 160, you know, 150 innings, 160 innings. Well, now this is going to count against that. And I'd rather, so I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of the world. Do it, do it during the All-Star week. You know, take two weeks off during the All-Star game and do something like this. But I think there's a lot of games being played and the teams are good to make Republic, Puerto Rico, these Venezuela, these teams have a lot of stars on them. And you're, but if you go to spring training now for two weeks, you're going to see double A and single A players because their top players are all going to be in the world baseball classic. Let's uh, move over to golf. We had a, a stacked field at Bay Hill and 
I, it ended up being a great, great Sunday of golf, seeing you know some fantastic names at the top of the leaderboard. Kurt Kitayama was going to have to fend off Rory McIlroy, Patrick Cantley, Jordan Spieth, Scheffler, uh, even uh, guys like Victor Hovland and uh, Justin Thomas were in the mix. Nice win here for his first win on the tour. Congratulations to Kurt Kitayama. And now it's amazing. The Kirk, remember, Christian Kirk won the uh, uh, Honda, and Kirk the Honda wins Bay Hill. So the word name Kirk is important. But uh, ninth hole, he hits a ball, a, tri- a horrendous shot, messed, destroys the hole, triple bogey in the hole. How many times have you ever heard a player has a triple bogey in the final round and still wins the tournament? Now he was cruising along before that, but but let, but let everybody back into it with all these big names and still head on to win, which is pretty a big, pretty big win for him. And now we have the Presidents Cup. Uh, the president, the Players Championship this weekend in Jacksonville. Uh, so it's it, it, again. I think the the fact that Cameron Smith, defending champion, is not in there because he didn't live, and Tiger waited till Friday to announce he was going to play. I think Tiger's on that edge whether he's going to play or not. And you'd see a total different buzz if Tiger's playing at the Players rather than Tiger not at the Players Championship. Yeah, and with no Cam Smith, only the fourth time in the history of the players that the uh, champion has not been there to defend his title. UFC, we saw John Bones Jones return to the ring and maybe one of the most anticlimactic uh, anticlimactic uh, matches I've ever seen. Well, I it was crazy because Gain, Cyril Gain, he was, John Bones Jones was viewed, they call him the GOAT, even though I mean, everyone gets called the GOAT, but he's known as one of the top or two, three best uh, UFC fighters. He's been hasn't fought in three years. He's been suspended three times. Talk about a litany of like a John Moran things of of violence, of, of domestic violence, of everything. You know, three suspensions for drugs, all this sort of stuff. But no one beats him. But he was you saw against Gain. It, it, it literally he just walked. They stood there. Jones looked at Gain. Gain throws these punches. Now Gain has, is one of the top. What's the number one ranked fighter? And Gain comes up because Nagano, the champion, left. They gave the title because they couldn't work out a contract. So this was for the championship. Jones literally just walked right to Gain, turned him around, threw him on the ground, and put a, a, a submission hold on him. One it wasn't by like speed. It wasn't like it was a tricky move. Literally just walked through, put him on the ground, and like in one minute the fight was over. It was just amazing. Absolutely, like you just said, it's like you know this. Jones looked like you know a professional, and Gain looked like this is his first UFC fight he ever, first match he ever. Had. But uh, and then the other fight that Alexa Grasso beat Valentina Shevchenko for a flyweight title in round four. Shevchenko had eight defenses over five years. She was a twenty-five to one favorite, and it was the weirdest ending of a match. Shevchenko, I thought, dominated the fight. Uh, she tried to kick, and then she just turned her back to Grasso. It just stood there, and Grasso jumped on her back and then put her in a submission hold. And I, you know, I'm not saying anything's fixed. I'm not going to say it, but wow. I mean, she stood there so long and then took the submission, and she's a 25-to-1 favorite. And then after it, she wasn't even upset. She's like, you know, people said it was the, the division was too boring, this and that, on and on. And it's like, now we're going to have a, you know, she's, I'm going to do a rematch. It's almost like, you know, it's just it, the whole fat fight was a weird fight. Like, I can't imagine a, a, a fighter would just turn their back on their opponent, just stand there like that and let someone jump on their back like that. But that was the other, other, other big match. And also Bo Nickel from Penn State, three-time NCAA champion, uh, won his match. People are criticizing. I mean, he's like the next Brock Lesnar. And a lot of the fighters are like, well, he hasn't had experience. Well, he's won three NCAA championships. He's viewed as the top uh, amateur wrestler. Of course, you know, let him. <laughs> of course he's going to be a big name in the UFC. Looking at the NHL quick. Boston Bruins are on a torrid pace. They're ready to, to break records in the NHL. Rangers just acquired Patrick Kane, the best American-born player of all time, and that's going to be a team to be reckoned with in the East as well. At 49, 8, and 5. I mean, this is if the Bruins play, like, this is the craziest record. I mean, they, they, they have runs of, like, 12 games in a row, 11 games in a row. They're amazing. And, and it's like you're wondering, are they, what are they going to do in the Stanley Cup? You know, in the playoffs, they'll lose in the first round and, like, get swept or something. Like, this is craziness that while they're, they're playing. I feel bad. I mean, Florida doesn't look like they're going to get in. Like, I'm nervous about that. I mean, they're on the, they're on the you know, they're on the, the, for the wild card on, like, the last chance to get in. So I, I hope Florida gets in because I love going to the Stanley Cup playoffs to watch them last year. Yeah, it's great. You know, go from the President's Trophy last year to not making the playoffs this year. And then, you know, like you said, Boston could lose in the first round. Hockey's just weird like that. In the West, it looks like Dallas uh, might be the team to beat over a team like Colorado, the reigning Stanley Cup champs. 
Yeah, I mean, I, look, it's again it, yeah, as long as Connor McDavid makes it, I love watching him for Edmonton and see what happens with that. But uh, uh, look, I I loved I watched so much hockey last year in the playoffs, and I I think this year it's setting up. And and now the team like Boston, as good as they are, to see how that they're going to fare against these teams. And also you have the Islanders, the Devils, and the Rangers all in the playoffs. All the New York teams, Boston, the team. You got you got everyone's going to be talking hockey, so it's going to be great. Not too much time here before we have to get to Dusty May of Florida Atlantic University. What's going on in uh, auto racing? I'll tell you what. The Formula One, the first one, the Bahrain, Red Bull last year, dominant. They won the titles. This year, they're even more dominant. They were, Verstappen won 11 seconds ahead of his teammate Sergio Perez. And then the weird thing, though, is that the other teams like Aston Martin, which takes their engines from Mercedes, Fernando Alonso finished third, Lance Stroll, who was in a mountain biking accident and had two broken wrists, still finished in fifth place. And the Ferrari team, which had, they thought was going to make steps up, um, Ferrari, they, Charles Leclerc, who had all the problems last year, could not finish races. The engine blew. Again, you think Ferrari, like the best quality, their engine blew in the, in the 40 laps. And Hamilton and Russell, the Mercedes, they cannot get it. Total Wolf, the general manager of the team, said he's never been so upset over, over uh, you know, to see where the team is. But they were um, sixth, they were fifth and seventh, Hamilton and Russell. But really the statement, again, is Red Bull is just so much better than everyone else. And then these other teams, which is Aston Martin, Mercedes and Ferrari are there. And McLaren, who everyone thought Landon Norris is one of those popular drivers you see with the orange McLaren at every commercial. They were terrible. They were one of the worst uh, teams out of the top 20 for the, for the day. Everything's a mess with them. And then just to jump to Vegas, uh, the Hendrick uh, Chevys, uh, William Byron won, Kyle Larson was second, Alex Bowman third, dominated that race in Vegas. I've been to that race, so I love being there. And another driver, Chase Briscoe, who's a 2020 champion, he on Friday was snowboarding before the race and broke his leg. So he... He couldn't race in the race. He had two drivers in Formula One and NASCAR who both couldn't perform. I mean, Stroll did with two broken wrists, but Briscoe couldn't play because of a off. You know, the racing is so dangerous, but they do other sports and get injured that way. Just a minute till we bring on Dusty May of FAU College Basketball. This time next week when we're doing our show, we're going to know what the brackets look like. How do you think they're going to pan out? Who's in? Who's out? What do you think, Guy? Well, I think the look, everything, the question everyone's going to look is, is Michigan going to get in? Is North Carolina going to get in? And that's what everyone's going to be talking about. Um, I, if UNC doesn't get in, it's the story of all stories. This, this field I, I, is just the way these conference championships are, the upsets that happen. Right now, the rankings don't matter. Houston's number one, UCLA number two, Kansas three, Alabama four. But it could be anything. I mean, you've got UVA's 13. You tell me UVA can't win the title. You, you literally have, I think, 20-some-plus teams with a legitimate chance that you would not be a – like, I could make that case that the, that the team, the 21st or 22nd team, could win the NCAA, and, I'm, and you would not laugh me out of the room by saying that because that's why the, the parity is so great because of the mixture with the transfer portal and the NILs and the fact that these players, the teams are, you know, with the extra year of eligibility, you have a mixture of teams, and you're going to see. It's going to be crazy, and I think the finishes of all these games, it's going to come down to, like, you know, final last shots all the time. It, I think the tournament's going to be great, a lot of fun this year. Let's go to Dusty May. It's Iron Sports. This is Iron Sports, and we're so pleased to have the head coach of the FAU Owls, who's getting ready for the Conference USA tournament, Dusty May. Dusty, thanks a lot for coming on Iron Sports. Uh, no problem. It's great to be on. So, Dusty, what a year, 28-3. and three. You beat Florida at Florida. Uh, just an amazing run this whole year. And you still have a lot of work to go ahead, Conference USA tournament, that hopefully the NCAA basketball tournament. Just a lot of enthusiasm around the program right now. No question. We've generated a lot of positive momentum. And uh, we've got a great group of guys that, that enjoy working and, and this, the entire process and, and – uh, you know, as they got more attention and, and, and accolades, we, we stayed the course and, and uh, stayed about the work. So very proud of our, of our team's effort and their day-to-day approach. You know, you really have – you talk about building brick by brick. You, you've been there five years. Um, it just, just came out – it didn't come out of nowhere. You had some, you know, over 500 years and all your other times. But then to come out this year – but I look at your, your roster – the players there, they've been in the program for two years, three years. You don't really, you didn't really just bring in five players that are on the transfer portal. These are people that have been in the program that you've worked with over a number of years. Yeah, these guys have built a foundation through their work, and they've, they've learned uh, how to win. We, you know, we, we learned why we lost uh, the last couple of years when, when we did and, and, and felt like we were a better team than even our record than 
Uh, but sometimes it just takes maturity and it takes growing up and, and have been, having been in those situations before. Um, for example, we've we've made majority of our clutch free throws this year. We've we've been great down the stretch. So um, I attribute that to intentional effort every day, learning from our past mistakes, but also just the the, the comfort level of of having been in those situations um, as young players. And it's got it. You got to feel confident going to the tournament because a lot of the teams you're going to be playing are going to be people that this is their first year playing together or they're freshmen. They're all the all freshman team. And in the fact that you guys have familiarity with each other and in situations that should help when you get to a crazy situation and you're far away from Florida and it's nuts and, and, and you know, those type of situations. Yeah, it, it's it's really unique where we have continuity. We brought back uh, almost all of our returning production. We had a good player, Nick Boyd, sitting out with injuries last year, and and I think we win a few more games with if Nick is healthy last year. I think we win at least two or three more games. Um, and the season probably looks a lot different uh, with that being said. And then we had a Jalen Gaffney who's been a, a breath of fresh air. He's extremely unselfish. Uh, he came from UConn where he was a one of their rotation players, played a lot. And he came here, and he, he doesn't get any more minutes than he got at UConn, but just the way he's played, the way he's led, and what his skill set is has been a, a very welcome addition to, to what we needed. So um, we have added a little bit. We've added two guards that play a lot. That One was with the program, and one was one came in uh, to join these guys. But uh, the, the continuity part, they're, they're familiar with each other. They, they um, you know, we, we have some structure, but our guys play a lot. Um, off concepts and just re- read and react to each other. So anytime you've played for a couple of years with your teammates, you're, you're much quicker to, to react to, to what they're trying to do. So many teams, when they go to the tournament, they're so reliant on maybe one player or two players to do everything. And when that player has a bad game, they get upset or just have a you know poor performance. You have nine players averaging between 16 and 25 minutes. Your scoring averages are anywhere from like seven to 13 points from your top players. It's such a deep team, and I think that it's going to help you now in, in a tournament situation. Yeah, it's it's helped us uh, tremendously up to this point, and I, I can't imagine in a three games and three days scenario. Obviously, we have to get past the first day. Um, that it doesn't pay dividends and, and we're not fresh, but we see it almost every game, every close game where um, we'll look on the floor and our guys look like they're energized and, and the other team looks like they've been, um, you know, that I've played a 40 minute game already just because they don't have the substitutions and the depth that we have. So we've used it to our advantage a lot this year. And, and hopefully now that it's late in the season, uh, we still look fresh, we're healthy. And, and hopefully that's because we haven't, I had to play guys too many minutes and we haven't had to overtrain in preparation, things like that. So we're excited for this stretch run. And your team's so much fun to watch. I mean, you really shoot threes. Great. A lot of people shoot the threes you're at, you know, and that I think aspect of it, I guess, keeping them fresher. So, you know, when you're only playing, when you're playing 22 minutes and you're shooting a three at the end of the game, you have fresh legs to get up there and drain it. Yeah. And I think anyone that, anyone that appreciates good basketball, um, they like the way we pass the ball, we share it, we shoot threes, but we also have a, a very efficient um, interior uh, offensive attack as well with, with Lag Golden and Giancarlo Rosado, and then we have good drivers. So it's not as if we're just hoisting threes. We work very hard to get good threes. Uh, but the, the thing that, that we appreciate about our guys is they, they if you watch us play, they look like they enjoy passing the ball, sharing the, sharing it. And so I think any any casual fan or any any uh, basketball uh, lover would would appreciate our guys. I noticed that you went you were a student manager under Bobby Knight at Indiana, and I worked at the University of Pennsylvania. I was an undergraduate. I was a manager statistician, and I mean I worked a zillion hours doing it. <laughs> and I think did that give you a perspective as a coach? Because I think a lot of people forget what the value that managers to the entire program. It's just not just the players. It's it's everything. If the players don't have the water when they come to the bench, if they don't have their their uh, pr- practice schedule laid out, everything's a mess. And you see sometimes teams with big name coaches, they don't really have those other things. So what, what about your experiences being a manager under Bobby Knight, which I'm sure was a lot of pressure? Well, you learn every step of, of the behind-the-scenes work and how much goes into it. And, and, and that was at a time before the staffs were big. So you had such a, a, a much bigger role than, than you would even have in today's uh, managerial situations. But um, I was very appreciative to learn from Coach Knight and, and everything that, that went on behind the scenes. 
but most importantly, you learn to serve and and always be there to to help and and assist in any way possible. And then, you know, fortunately, I was able to become a head coach. But if if not, I was very content and happy as an assistant coach, just trying to help these guys be the best they can be, and enjoying uh, being on a team and and being on a coaching staff and things like that. So, luckily, I was able to get this position, and and uh, we have an unbelievable staff and, and a great group, and everyone is, is certainly pulling in the, in the same direction. And now you're going to the car, you're in Frisco, Texas, and you're down there, you're already in Texas, so getting ready for the tournament. How's that? I mean, it's, it's this three-day tournament, you're the number one seed, a lot of pressure is going to be on you, but how do you get the team focused on this game ahead, the next game, and not look, well, we play this, and then we play tomorrow, then we play tomorrow, that type of thing? Well, our guys love to compete and they love to play. So it's it's not that big of a challenge, or at least it hasn't been up to this point. And I don't think it will be going forward after the Middle Tennessee State game. Uh, we we in, in our next team meeting, we talked about that from now on, every game is a pressure game. Every game is an NCAA tournament type of game. And if we can't handle that pressure, then then we're not going to be able to get it done anyway. So we have to embrace the pressure. But uh, because we defend, because we rebound, and, and we're so skilled offensively, those are the things that should alleviate any stress or pressure in the long term. And when we're playing, we just need to focus on that frame and that possession, and, and that will be more than enough as long as, we, as long as we do it together. So I think that's what our guys have done. So it, the pressure has almost inspired them to, to work harder and prepare um, with, with greater attention to, to detail. Well, you've already shown this year that you can go against an SEC school going at Florida and winning that game at Florida on their court. Like if you make the NCAA tournament as we expect you're going to, how is your team, you think, going to react to be playing you know, a top Big Ten team, a top Big East team, that type of team, Big 12 team? Uh, that, that seems sometimes some of the schools from K-Conference USA, they, they know the tournament, they're, they're, you know, the, the, bright, the bright lights shine a little too brightly and they're, they're off the slow start. I, that if if we go to the tournament and and we lose to to those teams, it won't be because our guys are scared of the moment. I can assure you, they they embrace it, they they cherish it. Um, we just have a really really unique personality where they thrive on on the competition piece. They love to compete. So uh, I, I think the bigger name, the bigger conference, the 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 more. Uh, incentive they'll be to work even harder and compete at a higher level. It's, it's like I said, a really, really unique and special group uh, mentally. So um, hopefully we get there and, and we put ourselves in great position. And once we get there, if, if we don't advance, it's, it's going to be because a, a team had to beat us and play better than us. It won't be because we were scared of the bright lights. So in this tournament, just to get just to set the t- table for everybody, Conference USA tournament. I think it's on ESPN Plus, CBS Sports Network. Thursday night as the first. Day. Your first game is Thursday. You win that, then you play. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Is that correct? That is correct. So, all right, Coach May. Thank you so much for coming on Iron Sports. I really appreciate it. Wish you the best of luck. Uh, and everybody here, you know, we're in six stations in South Florida, and uh, everyone's excited about, about FAU's success and, uh, and hopefully uh, bring back a, a, a title, at least from the Conference USA Tournament, back to South Florida. Uh, that would be awesome. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Good stuff there. We appreciate uh, local coach from FAU, Dusty May, joining us. Ira, what's your plans for this week? Well, I think I'm going to catch some of the of the maybe Israel is going to play the Nationals and Israel also plays the Marlins. I'm going to catch maybe one or two of those games, uh, maybe a spring training game. I might see the Heat uh, if they play again well, Wednesday and Friday against the Cavaliers. Uh, catch one of those games, and then uh, maybe tomorrow night the Knicks. I guess that's the Square Garden. So there's a lot of options between baseball and basketball. And I don't know, maybe Sunday go to the players, but I, I just don't think this year I'm going to go. If Tag was there, you know I'd be at the players. I don't think I'm going to ever go up to Jacksonville this year for the players. Though. We are out of time. Thanks so much to Dusty May. He's Ira Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. Ira on sports.